just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast, this show. We have Ed with us. It's always a great joy to have Ed with us because uh, he offers some insights and perspectives that I don't. And it's I'm always all about hearing different sides or at least different perspectives on things. And Ed, it's been about a week since we've talked. And, and since that happened, there's been a lot going on, most of it embarrassing for the Republicans. And while we're talking about embarrassing, let's talk about the State of the Union. <laughs> yeah, and uh, who would have thunk it, right? I mean, here, uh, expectations, you got to say, were very low. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't know if you, if you watch CNN, and I don't very much anymore because I don't care for their bent. I mean, they, I, I know that they claim that they're, uh, you know, trying to be more balanced. Where have I heard that before or something? But, uh, you know, I, I hear Andrea Mitchell, you know, talking about how, how low the president's uh, poll poll uh, results are, you know, something like 27% versus 73% or something like that. She, she hammered it one day about 10 times, you know, right. bringing it up. And that's not by accident. She's been told to do that because right. they're trying to change her image. Right. But, right. Uh, and, and that's bullshit. Shouldn't be done, but you know, I don't own CNN, so there's nothing I can do about it. But, the thing I was going to say about that. one thing I was going to say about Andrea Mitchell, she yeah. should retire. Yeah. She's not as sharp as she was. No, and and it's 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 tragic that her career is ending up this way, where she's being a shill for her corporate media because that's all she is. I mean, I, I know she doesn't really think most of those things, nor does uh, uh, what is it, Chuck Todd, the other one. Right. But right. Uh, but uh, uh, they they've had the cave right to keep their jobs, and that's. That's the way it is. We we worked in media. We know how it is. You can't always just say what you want to say. Well, we, but, we, we didn't cave, and now we're out of our job. <laughs> oh, I got to show you this. Uh, can you see that? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a thing that says newsroom on it. Yeah, this was on my office door at the radio station where we worked. That I walked under every morning for twenty seven years. Uh, uh, they sent it to me because they're uh, redoing the. Uh, redoing the studios and so they thought i might like to have it so they sent that along i, well, they, I did they, appreciate it they, they 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 sent me a text with somebody giving me the finger so we both are appreciated <laughs> we both got something right? we both got yeah. something <laughs> and at any rate um uh we're talking about Andrew the, the Andrew Mitchell thing was kind of yeah that's kind of off the ways but the poll thing number one with polls you remember just before the election, all the polls were telling us there was going to be a red wave. Right. That, uh, you know, it was a tsunami coming and all of this. Didn't happen. No. What does that no. tell you about polls? It tells me polls are more political than actual scientific. They're not scientific. Exactly. They're political. And they will they will uh, go whatever way whoever's paying the most money for that poll. Like the Rasmussen poll. Uh, that, that fucker's always wrong. <laughs> But they always, always touted, they always touted, the Republicans do, oh, the Rasmussen poll said this. Yeah, but they're always fucking wrong. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. I even saw Lester Holt say basically the same thing the other night about low poll numbers or, you know, that kind of thing. And that was in his open. And I'm going, come on, you're better than that. Yeah. I mean, polls mean nothing. And it's time they started saying that because they're either push polls where they're trying to drag stuff out of people or they have a very limited sample, which isn't big enough to show anything. Uh, the, 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 the day of the poll has come and gone because yeah. they can't. All they can do is call people on dial up. Now, very few of them are using. Maybe some of them are going to cell phones now. I don't know. But the younger generation in particular, they see a number they don't know. They don't answer. Right. Right. No, I get that, too. I, you know, in my business, I got a lot of phone calls from a lot of people right now. If I don't recognize the phone number, I don't answer it. If it goes to e uh, voicemail, I may listen to it. I may not. It's just it. The, the polling, the way it's been done has has to be changed if there's any value in polling at all. Uh, but it doesn't give a real sense of what people in this country really believe. No, it doesn't. I mean, they're going to have to start paying people to take polls or something like that, which they will never do. Uh, uh, but anyway, we saw what happened at the uh, at the State of the Union. Right. Joe went in prepared, and he killed. I mean, Fox News is the only outlet that I saw. I mean, the only outlet that you put any credence in right. that didn't say Joe hit a home run. And uh, he embarrassed the Republicans. He caught them in a trap that he set and deftly played them right into it. Right. Um, so uh, as far as uh, 2024, if we had it right now, Joe would sail into the presidency in four more years. Uh, no. And, you know, what, that, what, what, ama what amazes me about Joe Biden is he came in very Obama-esque, you know, he was chill, he was cool, he was kind of smirking like he knew the inside joke, and he basically clowned these motherfuckers. Now, yep. that's that's well enough said for somebody like Obama or some other politicians, but this is an 80-year-old white man. That yep. took some doing. He yep. either practiced it a lot or he had it in him or he was inspired somehow, but he played it exactly right. I think what they all miss, and and part of the problem is the news business is a young man's game, and it's and I say young man because there's still women there, but it's still a man's game. Yeah. So to be taken seriously, that's that's basically uh, the case. Nobody takes the women seriously. It's unfortunate, but it's true. I mean, I do. Uh, Rachel Maddow is somebody I put a lot of faith in, and she's not a traditional news person. She's uh, she's more of a storyteller and so forth. But I right. love what she does, and uh, and there are others along the same lines. But uh, uh, generally speaking, they don't understand that guys like Joe have been around for, for so long; they've seen it all. And not only that, they have relationships with people that you wouldn't think they would speak to right? because of the rhetoric going both ways and so forth. But yet they have a relationship and Joe knows where the bodies are buried and he's not afraid to dig them up. And they know that. And that's why I think you see Mitch McConnell working with Joe much more than you would have thought and others. It's only the crazies who don't get it. Right. I mean, Joe changed the paradigm in that speech. What he did was take the Democratic Party away from the Clinton wave, away from uh, the neocons and all of that, and put it squarely back in the old Democratic Party. 
where jobs for people is paramount, it's pro-union, and it's pro-liberty, and he, he restored the Democratic Party, and I hope that does not fade, because that's Joe's strength. He knows what the party was. And uh, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it because I, uh, I hate to diss on Democrats, but Bill Clinton was a big mistake for the party. And yeah. uh, he got played. He got played. Reagan and Bush drove up the debt. He takes office and his advisors from Goldman Sachs and, oh, oh, you got to you got to raise taxes and you got to got to. You got to reform welfare. See, that was that was the one they played with the debt ceiling that time. You reform welfare. It's the same thing as they're trying to do with Social Security, and Medicare. Now, uh, we'll let you raise taxes, and uh, which he did, of course. And uh, but what that did was take away the power of the Democrats because they had always been um, for. They had always been known for. Um, helping the poor man, but he reformed welfare. He raised taxes on everybody when he should have just raised it on rich people. And, and uh, that set the tone that even set the tone for a goodly portion of the Obama administration. I'm sorry to say, Uh, I do think Obama did great things. He rescued the country from a great depression. He did uh, masterfully given what he was handed and then, of course, the country turned on him and uh, gave him a Republican Congress for the rest of his term, and which did him for his second term, really, uh, which allowed him to not do very much. But uh, Joe, I think, moved the party back where it should be. It's the party. It's not the party of the elites. The Democratic Party was and should be, again, the blue-collar party, the working guys party. That's what it was. That's what it should be again. Well, that's that. That's where Joe Biden easily beat Donald Trump. He also beat Obama and Bill Clinton, because, as you say, those three really knew didn't know anything about how the system works in Washington, especially in Congress. Joe Biden had been there for years and years. He knows how to play the fucking game. So instead of giving in like Bill Clinton might have done or doing crazy shit like uh, uh, like Donald Trump did, because he just assumed he could be the boss and make everybody do what he wanted him to do. Joe Biden knows how to play the system. He's not going to get run over by the Republicans because he's done this too long. I mean, you, you talk about how they might talk to people that you wouldn't expect. I'm sure it's a lot like pro wrestling. You know, you get the two biggest rivals in pro wrestling. And then after the match, they're out having dinner at Applebee's. Same kind of thing in in politics. It wouldn't be surprising for Lindsey Graham and John McCain to get together back when John McCain was alive, or even even Joe Biden talking to Mitch McConnell. Uh, As much as they have a lot of difference between them, they have one commonality, and that is a lot of time in Congress and knowing how this shit works. And that's the advantage we have with Joe Biden right now. Absolutely. And the the other thing I keep hearing from the CNNs and all of these places is the Democrats have poor messaging. They keep saying that. And it's true. But you gave Joe the forum where everybody was watching and he made the most of it. The reason that they, they, they have poor messaging is that the Republicans own the mechanism now. They own the, their corporations own the networks. They also own, uh, they over time, starting back in the 80s, really, 
they started buying up these mom and top pop uh, stations that we started out in these daytime uh, um, uh, AM well, stations, right? And and uh, filling up with Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh, and his imitators and, and that sort of thing. And uh, people people listen to their hometown stations still uh, to a certain degree, and. Uh, that's all they hear on those. They've also, uh, the, the uh, various groups have bought up television stations in the hinterland, and uh, they put their message on there, and they've bought up the newspapers, which they also fill with their message. So it's awfully hard, and plus, they, you know, most of the people have been uh, wooed into watching, you know, fair and balanced Fox News. So they live in an information desert. Right. Because all they get is the right wing side of things. And until the Democrats find a way to either buy some shit back <laughs> or do something, uh, uh, have some sort of impact on this, their message won't get out there. Right now, I mean, the Democratic Party is an urban party because that's the only people who hear their message. Right, right. Well, don't you think, though, that, you know, as somebody who spent some time in small radio, you spent some time in small radio yep. or small TV, there's newspapers. Isn't the, the time for those media outlets short? I mean, as more and more boomers die, they're talking about 5,000 boomers a day dying. As they die, the willingness to go to those sources for information is slipping away too. You know, you, you've got young people, millennials and Gen Zs, they don't listen to local radio. They don't listen to local TV. They don't read the fucking newspapers. Everything's online. And of course, some of these these outlets, these newspapers are online too, but they have a different mindset going forward. I, I don't know if the Democrats need to buy up radio stations or anything like that. I think that whole business is fading away quickly. You may be right on that, but the trouble is young people age, and as they age, sometimes they take up where their parents left off. True. Um, if the Democrats want to get out their message, they should do some video games. <laughs> yeah, know? no shit. And, uh, and that sort of thing, they should, find th they should find where the young people are and go there. That's what it comes down to. And, and I think they have, to a certain extent, if anybody's getting the message, that's who it is because they made a huge difference in the last, in the midterm, certainly, and probably in the, the election before that. We just weren't charting it as much or noticing it as much. But uh, the X's, the, the millennials, uh, all of those, a, a large portion of them turn out to be liberals. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, it's funny you mentioned that, though, because you know, back in our days, I was a little young at the time. In the 60s, everybody brings up the hippies and that free love and, and liberalism and stuff like that. But now those hippies are boomers, and now they seem to be flipping to the Republican side. Like you said, uh, they kind of take up where mom and dad left off. I don't know if that's because their money situation is different now or they just change their minds completely. But as people do age, they do seem to change their stance on a lot of things. And we can only hope the millennials and the Gen Zs are smarter than that. You would think so. And I thought that until I moved back to my hometown in Tennessee from liberal Minnesota, which is yeah. only liberal in the Twin Cities, Rochester, and possibly Duluth, by the right. way. True. <laughs> Everything else is conservative. But I was surprised. I went to college and I lived in a, 
in the arts and in broadcasting, I was around people who paid attention to things. And uh, when I moved back, the percentage of my high school friends that still live here, I found that they we were on a different page. They had become their parents. It's like that progressive insurance uh, series of commercials where the therapist is trying to help people who are becoming their parents. Well, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, see it. it. Is. it I is. mean, these uh, the people that I went to high school with have largely become their parents. Part of that is because they they inherited the wealth that their parents built up, some of right, them, right. and uh, or at least they they uh, inherited attitudes because they didn't leave here, I guess. But uh, um, they didn't change. Even though many of them went to college, a lot of them went to conservative institutions, largely church schools and so forth. Uh, so I, I didn't really expect that much movement on their part, but I expected some. Yeah. But they're still, they're largely anti-abortion. They're largely uh, Trump supporters, uh, whether they know why or not. Uh, they tend to, to hit the R automatically because right. it's a Republican part of the country. But uh, what's funny, they don't seem to read. There's a plaque on the courthouse lawn that if you read it, it tells you that when the vote was taken in Hawkins County to, to secede or not, um, the secessionists lost. It was 1,255 to 845 that uh, voted not to secede. The people who voted to secede were the rich Democrats who lived in town and owned the property. The people who didn't want to secede, didn't care about fighting for the South, were all the, the poor folks and the country folks, the, the sharecroppers and that sort of stuff from which I sprang. So um, most of the people here now think, well, I'm a Southerner and I'm a Confederate. Bullshit. Yeah. Your great-grandfather would slap you upside the head if he heard you say that. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I grew up in South Minneapolis. In South Minneapolis, you lived there for a time. It's largely yeah. blue collar, maybe some white collar, depending on where you are in in South Minneapolis. We all grew up in the same place, going to the same school, going either to a Catholic church or a Lutheran church. And uh, as I've gotten older, I see some of my old friends. And, you know, I'm still friendly with most of them, but I'm finding out some strange things. They are some of the guys that were my closest friends are leaning Republican. And for the life of me, I cannot understand that. My best friend growing up in high school, um, he went on to be relatively wealthy in, in insurance and such. And we were talking one time before all this Trump thing started, and he was telling me how big a Trump supporter it is. I'd be interested to find out if he still feels that way, but I've just not felt compelled to talk to him. I don't want to ruin our history of friendship by dealing with shit today. So I'd rather avoid that and just keep the memories and not get into shit. That's why I'm thinking now I've gone to every one of my reunions. I'm not even sure I'm going to go because now I have a little higher profile about my opinion. And I have a feeling some of those folks won't like me much, which doesn't bother me. It just doesn't make it very fun to attend. Right. And I, I probably wouldn't either. I, I might. I don't know. I've gone to a few. I went to two. One. I only went to one reunion over the years. A part of that was because I was so far away. Right. But uh, then they stopped having them. So unless somebody suddenly had a, a change of heart and put one together because it won't be me, <laughs> then I probably won't ever have another one. But uh, the, the reunions the, or the reunions we have now. 
with 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 uh, with my friends from high school, all yeah. surround around uh, funeral reveals. You know, somebody yes. will die, some parent will die, or some brother or sister will die, and then we'll all go there. God damn, I haven't seen you since '78. That's about the times we actually meet up with people, and then everybody's trying to be polite because it's about a funeral, not about politics. Right, exactly. And and that's going to keep going. I know. I mean, uh, it seems like somebody I knew dies about every day. Yeah. Um, that was that happened more during the pandemic. I've lost a few there. But uh, um, looking at celebrities, too, that we grew up with, it's yeah. like uh, every week you see another one drop. I mean, uh, Melinda Dillon was uh, always a favorite of mine, actually. Saw her off Broadway in a show called Story Theater back in 1971. She was just getting started. She uh, she was the original Honey and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. But then she did this, and she was she was outstanding. But the cast included, uh, let's see, uh, Paul Sand and uh, the, uh, the guy who played the father on uh, uh, Raymond. Um, Oh, no, yeah. No. Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle and uh, just a bunch of other people who became very big in TV comedy there, especially in the late 60s or rather the mid 70s. So right after this, they kind of went straight into that. But uh, losing her and, and so many others over the last year just to really kind of hit home and told me, hey, dude, you're a little long in the tooth. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it really is true. You you see people around you dying. First year parents die, and then people of your peer group start to die. And it's you know, you can't look at anything negatively. You've got to just keep looking to the future. When our time comes, our time comes. And uh, people says, "Aren't you afraid of dying?" I go, "Fucking billions of people have already died. If they got through it, I'll get through it." <laughs> yeah, I think I can manage it too. The uh... But what, that's why I think what we're doing here is important because we remember, we remember a time when things were different. They weren't perfect by any means. Oh, hell no. And I'm glad that a lot of things have changed from those days. But we also know how things worked. And, and I want to throw something in here. I just happened to notice that um, Coke and Pepsi, just raised their prices by 45%. I mean, they didn't do it today, but over the last year, they yeah, have raised noticed. their prices by 45%. That's half almost, right? Right. right. And um, they cannot show that they needed to do that. As a matter of fact, Coke, did you realize that Coke, from its inception of the 1870s until 1959, charged a nickel right. for a Coke? Right, now, right. granted, it was a six-ounce Coke, not a 12, but if you just make it a dime then, that they uh, that was until 1959. And now, uh, uh, if you go to a machine to get a Coke, it's going to be $1.75. Uh, if you buy it in the store, it's more expensive, and I don't know why. It's about two bucks. I just yeah. no, checked that the other day just, just to make sure. But uh, there was a time when two major players in an industry, if they raised their prices at the same time like that, we would have screamed collusion. Right, and there would right. have been congressional hearings, and they would have been uh, forced to say, well, well, you know, are you colluding on this? Is this price fixing? Remember that term? It used to be, it used to be that uh, uh, price fixing was illegal, but yet they do it with impunity. 
And because they control most of the market, those two, um, I mean, there are other players. There's uh, Keurig Dr. Pepper and, uh, and a few others, uh, Canada Dry and so forth, but they're small potatoes. So right. they will follow suit. Sure. They almost have to, right? So this industry is being dominated, and it's not just this one. You know, when I was a kid, there was a vast diversity in every industry. Every business had 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 different. And now most businesses, most industries are controlled by one or two or three major corporations. Your food, I think it's five. That, yeah. that control the price of food with soft drinks. We see it's two, essentially. Uh, with the baby formula, it's two or three. And we saw what happened when one of those went defunct for a while. Right. Uh, you couldn't get, you, you'd go trying to get tickets to see uh, Taylor Swift. Good luck. Yeah. Or, or Beyonce, because one company is basically controlling that. They have eliminated competition, which is a huge part of the, quote, free market. There is no such thing as a free market. There's only the managed market, and it's managed by Wall Street. And we need to get out Teddy Roosevelt's big stick and bust up the mothers. Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, it's funny you bring up pop. I drink more diet pop than I should, and I've been lately cutting back on it. I don't drink coffee, so I drink a Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke. I'm one of those weird people that don't care if it's Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. I don't have a preference. But, you know, you used to be able to buy a 12-pack of pop for like three, four bucks if you bought a couple of them. And now yeah. they're at eight, nine bucks. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the corn syrup didn't go up that much. No, no. Neither, I th neither did cocoa, whatever crap they put in. And it's mostly chemicals, I'm sure, by now. Diet diet pop has gone up so much as of recently. I almost feel like it would be better and cheaper just to buy cigarettes. There you go. <laughs> but, exactly. You know, well, that's another. Well, of course, cigarettes, they had to raise the price because fewer people buy them, I guess. I don't know. But uh, well, you know, it, it, every time I talk about cigarettes, I always it reminds me of when I was a little kid, like seven, eight, nine years old, you know. And we lived in South Minneapolis, right on 35th Street or 32nd Street and 35th Avenue, two blocks away from Lake Street, where there was a Kittleson's Super Value. And I'd be seven, eight, nine years old. My mom smoked, but in the 60s, everybody smoked. That wasn't unusual. Everybody smoked everywhere they went. I mean, you can even see remnants of it. I mean, no one would think to smoke on an airplane. Well, <laughs> why do they have fucking ashtrays then? You know, some yeah, of the older ones exactly. do have asterisks. But my mom would write me a little note saying, uh, please sell Mike a pack of cigarettes signed Jean Marin. I give her name out because she's gone and nobody can track yeah. her down. But um, so so um, I'd go up with 50 cents, 40 to 50 cents. No, actually, it was about 40 cents is what it were. She'd give me 50 cents. I'd go up. I'd buy the cigarettes, carry them home in a little bag. But she left me 10 cents to go to down the block to the, 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 the um, it was basically a pharmacy, but it was an old school drugstore. It had the counter with the cherry Coke and all that stuff and a whole wall of candy. And for a dime, I could buy two candy bars. I'd get my two candy yeah. bars, bring my mom home. Uh, her cigarettes, and we'd sit there and enjoy our <laughs> our respective vices. And 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 uh, 
it's amazing how it's gone. I don't know what they're paying for cigarettes now, like 10, 12 bucks a pack. Uh, and now Who eight knows? or nine for Diet Pepsi. There's going to come a point where people say, not only can I afford it, it's just not worth it to me anymore. Yeah, in theory, that's what happens. But unfortunately, uh, pop, and probably on purpose, just like cigarettes, it's easy to get addicted to. And yeah. you don't even realize you are. And most addictions, I mean, people will continue to pay. Yeah. Um, especially if it sneaks up a little bit. Now, this 45% rise in the cost, the cost of pop or, or cold drinks to my friends in the South um, or uh, tonics for you over in the Carolinas. But uh, that's got to be, that's got to hurt because I'll tell you, when I go to the grocery store, we don't drink pop anymore. Um, I'll have a Coke occasionally, but uh, we don't buy them in bulk and so forth. But right. You know, half the time I see uh, these other bu other buggies, people who've got the the six packs of the bottles hung on the side of their, you know, their Mountain Dew and their Pepsi and Coke and whatever. <coughs> you know, it's a big part of what they buy. So right. that had to really hit them hard, I would think. And and uh, but uh, who are they going to blame? Biden? Are they going right. to blame him for the inflation? Is that the deal? When it's not inflation, I mean, Katie Porter did a brilliant thing with her whiteboard, which she showed that the inflation is 54% profit, excess profit. I mean, if you take the profit that the companies made last year and then you add 54% to that, then that's what you get. So it's all profit. That's what the inflation is. What Joe is doing and what he showed at the end, and, uh, we see it is uh, with the jobs report in the 50s, we could have inflation and we could still have uh, full employment. And we right. see that. And eventually the inflation will be beat because of that. But uh, we just need to get back to that. But the other thing we need to do is we if you want to have congressional hearings, forget uh, Twitter and forget uh, which I would like to talk about it in a little bit. Forget about Twitter. Forget about the laptop and all that bullshit. Have some hearings on why there is no competition and what can be done about it. Right. Have some hearings, uh, more hearings on this excess profit. Um, all of the oil companies uh, have they have record profits. Every one of them, astronomically. Record profits. What are they doing? Are, are they um, developing new products? Are they uh, uh, opening wells? Are they pumping more? No, they're doing stock buybacks. Tax the fuck out of those things. Well, the fact Tax that them the, as a windfall profit, regardless of the circumstances, the fact that they're not being taxed enough is a problem. I mean, we know that <laughs> when, when corporations and rich people were taxed at a reasonable rate, a fair rate. That's when our economy has been the best. So, yeah, you want to make all those profits, you're going to have to pay taxes, just like us dumb fucks that have to pay taxes every time we do a fucking side job for $2,000. You know, something exactly. We, we We get taxed, but they don't get taxed. And that's where the Republicans are falling down. They've been able to push it under the rug and not let people know. But with the information age and and now the way things are going in the media and, and podcasts like this, they're getting exposed for this game they've been playing for decades. And hopefully that's going to be the one thing that I obviously uh, that ultimately gets them to stop. You know, that's the it will talk about the investigations right after we take a break here in a few minutes. But um, 
It's about exposure and it's about exposing people for who they are. They've been able to hide for decades and decades and say, yeah, you give to the rich, it'll trickle down. And many dumb fucks believe that shit because they haven't heard the other side of it. Now they're starting to hear the other side. And hopefully over time, we can kind of break through the bullshit and actually give people the truth. Well, hopefully that we can. The, I think the narrative has to change because we keep letting the Republicans set the narrative on, oh, we've got to get a handle on the debt. That's what yeah. we got to do. We got we got to reduce the debt. We've got to, the only way to do that is cut entitlements and social programs, reform welfare, and and let's talk a little bit about how that worked out in just a moment. But um, what they never talk about is raising revenue. I mean, if you and I, and we've both been there, when uh, we don't have enough money to pay the bills, we go out and get another job. Right. We you have know, to make I, money. You can't, we we make, can't cut on bread and, and mortgages. We can't cut them. Right. So we got to make more I, money. I, I got to pay insurance on my car. I got to get gas and oil to drive to work and back. I got to I got to have a haircut so I'm presentable. I got to, all of these things that we cannot cut beyond a certain point. Right. So what did we do? Um, I drove a courier truck. I worked at an art museum. I I, I got into uh, doing commercials and so forth. You know, besides being on the radio, we did things. You know, you were selling stuff and and all yeah. of that and so many different things. Any irons and fire, but what we did was raise revenue, right? Right. Right. Well, they never go that route because the way you raise revenue is to raise the taxes on the people who are making all the money and keeping it. It never trickles. It and they never always, trickles. They, they always make it sound like raising taxes. That's sacrosanct. We can't possibly do that. Well, on people who are already being taxed to the limit, that's true. But the people that are being taxed, that should be common sense. I mean, anytime you're in business, you try to uh, exploit any way you can to make money. And if they want to look at the government as a business... They're exploiting plenty of money out of us, but there's a there's a, a honey hole of money in the rich, and they should be able to go after that and 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 make things better in this country. The problem is it doesn't go back to inflation; it goes back to greed. And the reason they allow these rich people to get away with things is because the rich people are smart enough to put money in the pockets of the members of Congress for them to save them from paying taxes. And that that's that's where the problem lies. It's all about greed, not only in the big corporations and rich people, but in our members of Congress who are equally as greedy. And uh, that's a tough thing to try to uh, extricate from the system, greed. That's about personal personalities and people in it. It really comes down to somehow getting, eradicating all these greedy fucks out of government. I don't know how you do that. I don't either, except that we keep we have to keep hammering away at it and pointing out the hypocrisy of someone like a Mike Lee who yeah. sits there and holds up his hands and yells a liar when Biden calls him out for uh, wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare. When we have the video of him saying that very thing, we have uh, Scott from Florida who is in charge of raising money for Senate candidates. Uh, doling it out and so forth, coming up with a printed plan that specifically calls for sunsetting Social Security 
and Medicare, Lindsey Graham mentioned it. So many of them have mentioned it. Yes, it's not every one of them, but it doesn't have to be every one of them. Those are trial balloons to put it out there, to get the idea that because they know when they say entitlements, that Republicans, uh, especially the unintelligent ones, (laughs) think welfare. And when they think welfare, they think minorities, right? And they just get all pissed off again. Uh, But what they're really, they don't realize by entitlements, they mean Social Security, they mean Medicare, which are not entitlements because we paid for them on a separate tax. We all know that. But uh, that has been their narrative, and they've been able to get away with it. But Joe called him out, and he trapped them into saying that they would not cut Social Security and Medicare. Well, and, and he did a masterful job at it. And it goes back to what I was saying before. He knows how the system works. He knows how these people think. He set them up and he exposed them for what they are. And they didn't like, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene kept saying, you're a liar. You're a liar. They were upset about him being a liar. He wasn't lying about anything. What they were upset about is him having the audacity to actually expose them for what they actually believe. And at that point, you know, they learned a lesson with overturning Roe v. Wade that they don't want to be attached to Social Security and Medicare. He made them commit, okay, if you don't agree with it, and I'm wrong here, then let's all stand up and 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 say we're against it. So we can take that off the table and we don't have to worry about it again. Now, the Republicans hated doing it, but they had no fucking choice in the situation. And that was a beautiful thing to watch. It was. And that was a score for Joe Biden. I give him credit for that. I, you know, I, I got a lot more respect for Joe Biden on that one segment of the speech than I've had for him in his two years of his presidency. Well, uh, you know, jumping back to welfare reform and uh, Bill Clinton's famous declaration, the era of big government is over. Ah, I shake my head, Bill. What a waste of space you were in so many ways. You did a few good things, but but uh, caving into welfare reform just meant that you put a burden on people who couldn't really uh, couldn't really hold up under it. Um, before welfare reform, payments went from the federal government to people who needed money, and uh, and they did better. I watched it. I watched Johnson build the Great Society. I watched it change people's lives right here in this small town where I live, and I can point to them now. And unfortunately, some of those people now vote Republican, which drives me crazy. Um. But but uh, instead of uh, instead of the government, the federal government uh, doing all of the paperwork and making sure the money got where it was supposed to go, they settled for block grants to the states to let these local screw offs uh, deal with it. And what do they do? They take the money, they sit on it, or they pay Brett Favre not to give speeches. You right. know that sort of thing. It becomes a slush fund, especially for these like Mississippi and Louisiana and Tennessee, places like that where there is no uh, um, no income tax, where the rich get to keep all their money and the poor people pay uh, much more than anywhere else because of the sales tax and property tax that even if they rent, they have to pay. Um, so uh, that was not a good thing. And, and Clinton got played. He got played because they drove up the debt and they – 
overspent on, on the, quote, national defense, which means just shoveling money into the pockets of the right. people who own the defense companies, the oligarchs that pay the, the politicians to do that. So they got played. Joe knows that. Joe's bringing us back where we need to be. Right. Well, I think Bill Clinton is thought of fondly because of it's been been a long time and because the economy got better under him after it was really bad, after a Republican came out. Uh, uh, and, and I don't know how much of the economy's success can be attributed to Bill Clinton. A lot of it is cyclical. A lot of it is other aspects, but they think fondly of him. I mean, I think he did some good things. I think he was a piece of shit as a human. We found that out. Yep. He wasn't nearly as bad as uh, Donald Trump, but he was along those lines. The, the thing is, I think there's a lesson that should have been learned over the last six years, especially when you talk about elections, people will say, well, it's it's not a popularity contest. Bullshit. It is exactly a popularity context. The, the the people of this country don't look at facts and figures. They look at narratives and 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 speech and how people per, are perceived out there. We should learn this lesson from the Republicans and use that with the Democrats, even though it's kind of beneath Democrats. Let's just talk about the facts. They'll be happy about the facts. Well, proof is that that's not true. We've got to control the narrative and be appealing to the people, regardless of the facts, and hopefully get them to go the right way. We've got to beat Republicans at their own fucking game. And if you'll notice what Joe is doing, he's taking a page from the Trump playbook. He's yeah. having rallies. Not, not He's not calling them rallies, but he's going around to different cities and he's reiterating what he said in the State of the Union. And he's, uh, he's getting wild response from people because it's honest, it's straightforward, and it's true. And... Uh, He's going to be he's going to be holding their feet to the fire on the infrastructure thing. I just noticed uh, Ron uh, DeSantis down in Florida right. touting this uh, big highway project thing he's going to do. Well, Joe gave him the money, right. and most of the Republicans voted against it. Right. So right. he's telling people that, and it's the truth, and it's going to hit home. I'm going to take a quick break here. I'll just say this, too. What we need from a president, and, and Joe seems to be doing it, is akin to the football coach at a prep rally uh, at a high school. You get in there and whip them up and hype them up and get them excited, and that's how you're going to get votes. You do the, you do the right things. You, you, you accomplish the right things, but you really need that hype in there to somehow affect the people of this country. It's sad to say, but that's that's the fucking fact. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Back on the Rational Boomer podcast, Ed is joining me today. We've got a lot to talk about. We talked about the uh, State of the Union address. Let's kind of move on to uh, some of the things the Republicans are doing that they think are going to put them in great shape for the 2024 election. Uh, they were very concerned in the campaign for 2022 about inflation, gas prices, the border. 
But for whatever reason, now it's all about investigations, trying to own the libtards. And uh, Jim Jordan just had a an, a hearing for an investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop. He was going to own the libtards, but what happened was Jim Jordan and the Republicans got owned again, much like the Republicans did in the State of the Union. It was absolutely fucking ridiculous, and they were embarrassed through this hearing. It was it was silly. Absolutely, and the the, the other one, the the Twitter hearings. That's the one is, I'm thinking uh, of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, we have uh, we find out that they're really the only person who was pushing Twitter Twitter to uh, get rid of tweets and and do so was Donald Trump. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so uh, once again, we do an investigation. We find Trump is the one who has at fault, and not anybody else. Also, we learn that Marjorie Taylor Greene and most of the Republicans, it seems, don't understand what free speech means. They don't understand that it doesn't apply to private business. It only applies to the government. The government cannot squelch you is what it comes down to. But Twitter, Facebook, your local newspaper, any of those, or a publisher, for example, say I write a book and I send the book to them and they don't publish it, I don't have the right to accuse them or sue them for violating my free speech rights by not publishing my book. Right. But that's what they seem to think, especially Marjorie Taylor Greene. That was her whole argument was that uh, uh, because they they squelched her, um, her uh, Twitter account, that impacted her getting her message out to her voters. Right. So it interfered with voting. This was an argument she made, which is so imbecilic that I, I think a kindergarten could go, what? Well, Are you what, stupid? What, what Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the other Republicans need is an eighth grader to read and explain the First Amendment. Because, as you say, it doesn't apply to private companies. I mean, you couldn't come to me here on the Rational Boomer podcast and have Marjorie Taylor Greene say, I want to talk on your show. And I say, no, that's not <laughs> infringing on the First Amendment. It's my show. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And the same goes for Twitter. The interesting thing is they brought these former tw Twitter employees in and uh, they, they, they said, uh, you censored some of the things that were posted about Hunter <laughs> Biden's laptop, which for all intents and purposes were Hunter Biden dick pics is what they were. Right. And and uh, yeah. they, they said, yeah, we do it. It's, it's against our guidelines. They said, but Joe Biden told you to do it. Well, no, he didn't actually tell us to do it. It was against our guidelines. But Joe Biden made you do it, right? No, no, that didn't happen. And then this other young representative comes up and says, by the way, since we're talking about government uh, imposing on Twitter or any other social media app, Let's go back to 2019, and she, he was asking the uh, Twitter former Twitter employee, do you remember that tweet from Chrissy Teigen? Uh, Chrissy Teigen is a celebrity. She's married to John Legend. Do you remember that tweet? And the Twitter uh, employee said, yeah, I do. And I said, could you read that tweet? And she said, well, it's got some bad language. It's just a direct quote. It's not me saying it. And uh, he said, no problem. What, what did... What did Chrissy Teigen say? 
She said she called Donald Trump a pussy ass bitch. Now, in terms of accuracy, it nails it, but <laughs> but it does go about beyond the guidelines. And of course, the moment that comes up, Donald Trump and everybody else in the Trump administration says, "You got to take that down. You got to take that down," which is exactly the alleged criminal act that they're saying Joe Biden did, even Joe, even though Joe Biden didn't do it. My question to the Republicans is, why are you so interested and concerned about keeping Hunter Biden's dick pics up? <laughs> what, what is it, George, Lindsay, you, you fuckers interested in this? <laughs> that must be it. Yeah. They're just trying to make a point. You know, they take some small thing and they exaggerate it to try to push along their agenda, but they get in this situation and they just fucking embarrass them, themselves. Exactly. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's big bitch was that uh, she uh, they they censored her um, her comments on and they said this. They admitted this. I mean, they, they said this is why we did it. She was spreading misinformation about covid and right. it was general policy that we would not we would block anybody. He was spreading misinformation for obvious reasons. We were going with what the CDC and the authorities told us that was true and uh, we were blocking anything else because it was dangerous to have this stuff on and uh, yet she still considers that to be some form of censorship as if as if all statements are equal and they are not and they cannot be but at the same time you know talking about private business i'm old enough and maybe you are too to remember when newspapers uh, around the country would be called the cincinnati democrat or the right. the, uh, the columbus republican or something right. like that right. they did not pretend to be anything but what they were that they were going to push the democrat or the republican line whichever it would be and people knew that and they bought their paper accordingly um so uh, this is nothing new. It's been around forever. When I was a kid, we had two newspaper racks. There were shelves, actually, that had uh, the uh, regular newspapers. And then the other one had the tabloids, the right. star, right. and that sort of Inquiry. thing, right? And everybody knew the difference. Yeah. And I could tell you more about a person which one they bought than anything else that I've ever known because what the, the people that bought the tabloids are the people who listen to Fox News now isn't yeah. that isn't that just so informative well isn't that interesting if you make that comparison she's mad at Twitter because she couldn't make these inflammatory statements first and foremost she has to understand there are some limitations to the first amendment right yeah you can say what you want but if it's in commission of a crime or causes danger to people, you cannot do that. That has to be censored. That has to be stopped. But 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 in addition, if you can call out Twitter about not providing information uh, or censoring information, wouldn't that same thing apply to Fox News? Because how much of the fact or OAN or Newsmax or any of these fucks, Breitbart, um, you know, all these guys will tell you part of the story, but not all of the story. And if somebody comes on from the Democratic Party, they try to shut them down or try to silence them or whatever. So if Twitter was, in fact, guilty of censorship and they're not, then so would be Fox News, OAN and Newsmax and all the other Republican fucking outlets. Yeah, and and people 
I don't know what it is about people, why they don't go to sources, because it's actually fairly easy. If you, if, if you have a few sources or you spend a little time on the Internet going to trusted sources, okay, you remember, you've heard people talking about the, the quote, famous statement that Marjorie Taylor Greene made about Jewish space lasers. Right. Well, somebody on Twitter the other day posted, well, she never said that. And it's true. She never said those words. What she did do was post a Tucker Carlson kind of I'm just asking questions thing that uh, ask about these satellites that gather solar energy and transmit it back to the earth. And she wondered if those couldn't be made into a beam that would light forest fires. So yeah. and, and, and she tied it to the Rothschilds. So, yeah, she did. She didn't say Jewish space lasers, but she created that impression. So, yeah, she did say it just not in those words. Well, the thing is, they all say such ridiculous, inflammatory shit. Uh, it, it makes me wonder about the era we live in. I mean, back in the day, the 60s and 70s, when we were younger, uh, media people were very careful about what they said because any little thing might infringe on their credibility. So they were very cautious about it. I mean, it goes back to, uh, do you remember... I, th I think it might have been McGovern, and he had a vice presidential candidate. Yeah, Eagleton. Uh, Eagleton. Eagle, Eagleton, right. He ended up with Sergeant Shriver after that, but right. Eagleton was the guy. And Eagleton was going to be the vice presidential candidate. All was cool. But he took he was sent off in shame because he'd seen a psychiatrist. That was all it took for the the, the 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 politicians say, oh, no, we can't have somebody like that. And now you have people spewing conspiracy theories that are just crazy. And people are going, you know, that makes some sense. It's it's strange how far we've dropped since the 60s and 70s. It, it really is. And uh, it didn't take much back then to uh, you had to be practically perfect. If um, Bill Clinton would not have had a chance in the 60s no, and 70s. No. I mean, he almost did get it. I mean, he, he had a track record, let's face it. And I don't mean to dump on Bill Clinton today, but he, uh, the further I get from his heyday, the less I like him, especially since he's very much in, implicated on uh, Epstein's Island. Right, Along with right. a lot of other people, you wouldn't expect. Right. Um, and and I, I have no doubt that he didn't fly there a lot, you know, and for the reason you think he did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and unfortunately, Bill Gates, too, and some others. But there's a hell of a lot of Republicans involved. And Donald Trump is certainly one of them. Right, right. Well, you know, it was interesting, too. That era had a different standard in, in, in news and media, too. I mean, because let's right. be honest, JFK was kind of a player too I don't he was know a dog he was, he was a dog I, I don't know if he was as bad as bill clinton but he he was close but he back had in, two women who traveled with him tweedledum and tweedledee that's that right the secret that's service right. knew about come that's on right. you know that's right and, and but but the thing is back then the media had kind of a, a moratorium on saying anything bad about politicians it wasn't just jfk i mean lyndon had lyndon johnson had some issues too and so did many republicans but the media just wouldn't report it and then all of a sudden uh the floodgates opened and they report everything and anything and this is how we got this shit show i mean politicians are human beings many more despicable than the average human being on the street but a lot of it was hidden from us and now we know fucking everything and that's the worst possible scenario for 
politicians because they do some despicable shit. Sure. You go back to Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson, the guy had a nervous breakdown his second term. They covered that up. Uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt could not stand on his own. He wore braces because of polio, uh, mm. was in a wheelchair most of the time. They never showed it. Um, Eisenhower had a mistress, as you say, LBJ did. Uh, and um, pretty much every pilot, probably not Harry Truman because he was whipped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, as they used to say, I do not yeah. condone that comment. Don't throw things at <laughs> But uh, the uh, uh, Nixon, let's face it, uh, Pat was the only woman who'd go in the same room with it. Right. She had to get drunk a lot to do it. I'm sorry, Pat. I shouldn't be. <laughs> well, it's true. You. It's true. She had a drinking problem. And, and, and Nixon, it's it's ironic that uh, that uh, Nixon's wife had a drinking problem, and then Gerald Ford took over for Nixon, and then then we had his wife who went on to start the Betty Ford Center because she had a drinking problem too. Uh, and I'm not begrudging or or besmirching um, Mrs. Ford, but. It kind of tells you what women had to deal with with politicians back in the day. They had to do something to self-medicate because their fucking uh, husbands were pieces of shit. Yeah, let's face it. Now, very few politicians are 100% squeaky clean. Uh, I'm sure you'll find. I mean, uh, so far, no scandals on Obama. Uh, no. So far, no scandals on Joe. So. No. uh but uh, Trump, I mean, let's face it, I don't think there's ever been a worse candidate or, or a worse president of, of, for being a, just a flat-out sleazebag on so many levels. Yeah. I can't think of that many other presidents who've been accused credibly of rape as many times as he has. And his case, his defamation case, is coming up uh, toward the end of April with E. Jean Carroll. He's tried to get out of this thing so many ways. He's fucked himself over six ways from Sunday. You know, he, his only defense was, well, I said that while I was president, so you can't do anything to me, which isn't true. But then, of course, he repeats what he said while he was president <laughs> in a tweet and then further implicates himself. This, this guy is so dumb. It's just, I don't know, is he dumb? Well, yeah, he's dumb. Yeah. But it is that, is it that, He's had so many yes men around him all his life. He's gotten away with anything. And so he thinks everything he says is absolute gospel straight from Jesus. I don't know. But uh, he's fucking around and finding out now. He is the worst kind of uh, person, an idiot who thinks he's smart. Right. Most dangerous person is somebody like that. Yes. So he will he will always trip himself up that way. I mean, the simple way for him to, uh, to have dealt was that if he was not guilty, was to give the DNA sample, which he right. can't do because we know he's guilty. There is, And that proves it. I would say there's virtually nothing that Donald Trump's been accused of where he's not guilty. And he no. knows that. The people around him know that. So he tries to play this game to try to delay, divert, and distract. And it worked well when he was in business because everybody had to say yes to him. It worked well when he was president because he had the power and this uh, immunity of sorts while being president. But now that he's not president, he's finding out a different story. He's now like regular people. He doesn't have the protection he once had in business and in his presidency. And I don't think he knows what the fuck to do with it. He he just he's just flummoxed by the fact that people are actually coming after him and gaining some ground. 
that and and he cannot be he cannot be quiet he cannot accept the fact that uh, he's no longer uh relevant so he right. keeps trying to be and he keeps exposing himself all the time almost literally uh, when i was a kid my father used to say uh, you show your ass and you'll regret it. And that's what he what he meant was don't act up. Well, somebody should tell Trump that because he's continually showing his ass every day because and he I, is one. And I can back in my younger days, I can attest to the fact literally showing your ass and regretting it. <laughs> I did have regrets <laughs> over that. But I, I, you know, I'd been drinking some cheap beer and, you know, you do shit when you're 17. But yeah. um the interesting thing about Donald Trump, and I wonder if this is registering in his head, he is uh, becoming more and more irrelevant. He's not getting the kind of crowds, in fact, almost embarrassing numbers of crowds. He had a rally, and then they said, well, it's not really a rally. Well, the only reason for the rally, <laughs> nobody fucking showed up. He's not collecting the money he once did. He, you know, that that's falling away. Um, he's not getting as many people protecting him as they once did, you know. I've said before, what's going to happen to Donald Trump, whether he ends up in jail or not, he's going to end up broke. He's going to end up a pariah and he's going to be walking around midtown Manhattan with a dirty diaper wondering what the fuck happened. Well, uh, that 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 would please me a great deal, quite frankly. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd rather see him and I'd rather see him in orange. I'll, I'll say that. But uh, I'll settle. Uh, for I noticed uh, the, the Koch brothers, the uh, right. Well, Club for Growth, all of these people are dumping him. They're not raising money for him. They will not be giving him money. Um, he's going to have to dip into some of that uh, that grift money uh, if he wants to run for president, uh, which it still boggles my mind. Here's a guy who was president, claims to be a billionaire, but he sends out these uh, fundraising letters to help with his defense and all of this. And he's supposedly a billionaire. And these people who probably clear about $190 a week send him 50 of it. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. You know, and, and I think now that his taxes have been revealed, it's pretty clear he's not a billionaire. In fact, I think I might be more financially sound than he is because I don't have a billion dollars in debt. And I haven't had losing years for decades you know, it's all been a big scam and all he's been doing, the one thing Donald Trump has been good at, mainly because people will buy into anything, is fucking branding and branding shit that isn't real, that he's powerful, that he's wealthy, that he's smart, that he's strong. None of that is true, but he's been successful in getting some people to believe that. And you got to give him credit for that. Well, yeah, you do. And, and it, what boggles my mind is there has never been a Trump product that wasn't substandard. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't care if it's a room in, in one of the hotels where he runs or where that he manages because he didn't build them. He just stuck his name on them right. or uh, uh, Trump steaks or Trump suits or Trump ties or Trump university, anything he's turned his hand to, it's always been cheap jack crap. You know, it's interesting about him. Another thing I will give him credit for, if you're in business and you have failure after failure after, I mean, everybody fails in business once or twice, and then they figure it out and they move on. But he has failure after failure after failure after failure. 
But somehow he's still able to stand up proud and say, I'm the best businessman ever. I got a billion dollars and I'm fucking doing this. I got to give him credit. He's been able to keep his uh, confidence up in, in, in spite of all the immense amount of fucking failures. Well, I can remember seeing him on shows uh, like uh, I might even have been The View back before he was in politics where right. they just were so giddy about him and Ivanka or not Ivanka, Ivana, uh, his wife, Ivana. And, uh, uh, oh, uh, you know, he was just best thing since sliced bread because he was this young, quote, handsome at that time, um, guy who was, you know, revamping the statue, or not Statue of Liberty. He could have got, he would have done it if he could have. No, he would have. He would have turned it in him. Yeah, Empire State Building, that sort of thing, right? And the Donald thing, they were all giddy about that stuff. And uh, uh, so, yeah, he he's a, he was able to do that and to do some stuff with wrestling and stuff like that, where uh, he was able to keep his name out there. And he'd hire some guy to write a book that's a bestseller, even though it's crap. Right, it I mean, crap. my God, it's unreadable, really. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's just, just total crap. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's been able to do that. But when it came, when the rubber hit the road, he bankrupted casinos, <laughs> you know, which I don't think any other human being has ever been able to do that. I, yeah, that's like that's akin to uh, opening up a lemonade stand in the Sahara and yeah. not, not being able to fucking make it. I mean, if you fail in, in, in a, uh, in a uh, casino, you got problems. And the problem wasn't the, the business concept. It was his own stupidity. He was so into self-aggrandizing himself and everything he's tied to. It wanted to be the biggest, the best casino ever, most opulent casino ever. And all the people around him said, you know, Donald, if you put, you can make money off this casino, but if you keep putting this much money into it, you're not ever going to be able to make it back. So why don't you just pair it back? No, I know what I'm fucking doing. I'm going to be the biggest, the greatest ever. And of course, the people who advised him were right. Donald Trump was wrong again. And uh, his casinos took a shit. Yeah, and and that was on top of his father coming in and buying up chips and not using them, you know? I mean, just injecting millions of dollars into these casinos just so he could piss it away. Yeah, yeah, that's the ironic thing. Your kids, my kids, whatever, you know, they come to us and say, geez, Dad, I'm I'm broke. I can't pay the electric bill. Can you help me out? (laughs) and and we say sure here's some money go pay your electric bill but donald trump gets in trouble in this big casino and says dad i need you to go buy five million or ten million dollars in chips and never cash them in and that's exactly what he did and he did that for two reasons he needed the money but he also didn't want to pay taxes on it so by him buying the chips and never cashing them in he got the money but he never had to pay taxes on them so i don't know if that is uh is illegal or not, but it certainly is questionable. Well, I know when this, when he was trying to get the Scottish uh, uh, golf club, that's one reason that they didn't want to give it to him was because they thought he was mafia uh, yeah. based on, you know, uh, that kind of activity. It's highly illegal. Of course it is. You know, and it's at the IRS. I don't know why they didn't get him earlier. Then, and they still really haven't. I mean, no. what's a what's a million dollar fine to Donald Trump? Nothing. It's nothing. nothing. It's worse than nothing. You know, it's an insult. He should be in jail. You know, if you or I did what he did, we would be in behind bars right now, just like his account is. And you cannot tell me 
that the accountant goes to jail and the guy who worked with him doesn't. That's like that's like Rick Scott, you know, stealing a billion dollars from welfare. It's more than that, really. And uh, walking away with a golden parachute from the company that did it when he was in charge. Right, right. Well, you know, it's all akin to, uh, and we may see something change in this. It's akin to having the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels and the middleman going to jail and being convicted and Donald Trump being known little more than an unindicted co-conspirator. Well, now the Manhattan District and Alvin Bragg are looking into that. And uh, you have to assume that if they found Michael Cohen guilty, the guy who provided the money, the guy who wanted it hushed up, has to be guilty. I think Donald Trump needs to be nervous about that indictment. There's so many indictments he needs to be nervous about, but that one uh, is pretty cut and dried. And there's already been precedent set by Michael Cohen being found guilty for paying money given to him by Donald fucking Trump. Right. And, you know, the other day, Trump's going, you know, well, I never did that, but anyway, it was too long ago. (laughs) I never did that, but the statute of limitations have run out. Well, there's been a new rule that now they get a one-time thing, even if the statute of limitations has run out, and she's using that. So he's wrong about that. But exactly what I said before, he will implicate himself. He said, I didn't do it. And then he said, well, I did do it, but it was a long time ago. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I I think what he's trying to do is set up the messaging because he knows that some evidence is going to come out. He knows he's going to have to give his DNA. And when that DNA shows up, I think he's going to be forced to give the DNA. And when it matches, then he has to say, well, it did happen, but it was long ago. And she really wasn't my type. I was doing her a favor by raping her. I I could just see him saying something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and he kind of has. I mean, he he's just said, she said she enjoyed it. You know, didn't she say that? That was in the deposition. I didn't do she it, said, but she enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Didn't she say that? He's asking in the deposition. No, she didn't, actually. <laughs> she, oh, my gosh. Donald <sighs> Trump's biggest problem is, is he does not, will not listen to his lawyers. He, right. would, he wouldn't have nearly the shit hanging over his head if he just shut up and let his lawyers handle it. But he just can't do that. I mean, he just can't shut up. He thinks he's the ultimate genius, that he's smarter than anybody, and he can talk his way through anything. And, and uh, he's mistaken. It doesn't work. He fails every time. You know, what's ironic about that is he keeps trying to use that as a defense. Well, I just did what my lawyers told me. You yeah. Know? And that's not really a defense if you still go ahead and break a law. Um, And and he did. You know, I mean, maybe if it's a business transaction and you get, uh, you know, legal advice that says, no, this isn't legal, this isn't illegal, and you can prove it, maybe that's a defense. But he can't do that. We all know he's guilty. He knows he's guilty. Everybody knows he's guilty. Yeah. 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 No question. No question. He's fucking guilty. Um, but he's, he's, he's in some deep trouble right now. I get a lot of people saying to me, nothing's going to ever happen to Donald Trump. Well, a lot has already happened to Donald Trump to put, put everything that's happened up to this point, short of going to jail, has got to hang pretty heavy over the head of a normal person. Now, Donald is not a normal person, so it may be not be as uh, impactful as it would be for normal folks. 
but he's got a lot of shit going on around him and his future does not look bright. And then you have the Republican Party and all his little uh, fandom uh, kind of pulling away from him. He's got to see the writing on the wall. Yeah, and I wonder how when it finally comes down, is he going to believe it? Is he going to snap? Is he going to check out? Uh, what's he going to do? Is he going to run? Because it's going to happen sooner or later. And I've heard uh, for some people saying he is scared to death of possibly going to jail, that it's it's something that he can't countenance because, uh, you know, that's kind of the ultimate failure, on, you know. And uh, I wonder what the reaction will actually be. Yeah, you know, and, and, and the and the one thing that people are saying is, and some people have predicted, well, if they indict Donald Trump, we'll have January 6th level violence. And I disagree. <clears throat> I don't think that's true at all. We will see the individual crazies here and there do some shit, but I don't think any of the mass amounts, the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers, have the courage to step in the game and start violence when the rules are different. Donald Trump isn't there to protect them. The DOJ, the Supreme Court, Congress isn't there to protect them. We have Joe Biden in office. And if we get people starting to shoot at, at, at our capital or our people, it's going to be met with force. It's going to be met with deadly force. And these fuckers know it. And they're bullies. So they're not going to walk into something where they think they don't have a chance. Right. I mean, the. Um, and also, they're, they're kind of dispersed around the country they're small in numbers and what are they going to do who are they going to attack you know they're not going to go are they going to go to washington i don't think that's going to be uh they're going to get the same result this time that was a fluke and uh i I don't know if you ever watch morning joe or not but they had the guy who who became did you watch it this morning with the the guy who was defense secretary for about two minutes there I did not end. see that part. No. Well, he's written a book, and uh, he was he was. I'm glad you asked me that question, which he then didn't answer. But basically, uh, saying that uh, I couldn't send in the National Guard because uh, um, that's I work for the executive branch, and that's legislative, and they would have to ask for right, it. Right. And we saw Nancy Pelosi on the phone calling everybody under the sun. Right. Um, and they weren't answering the phone. It's quite simply what happened. But, uh, you know, Joe's a reformed Republican, but he's not reformed enough. They no. didn't ask the right questions. Now, Joe, Joe, I watch Morning Joe every so often, and I don't really like it. I think Joe doesn't know when to shut up and let other people talk. He just well, there's he, that. He just dominates every conversation, and, and he's smart enough, but I just don't care to listen to him. Uh, Willie's a lot better than he is. Uh, Mika. She's kind of along the lines with Joe, but uh, she gets pushed to the side so much. I'd hate to have to go home with her since I'm since he's married to her and deal with the shit in the car because I'm sure <laughs> she tears him up. Uh, but but well, you, there, there's another book out, and I'm curious as to what you think about this. Mark Pomerantz, who was a prosecutor working for Cyrus Vance in the Manhattan District when they were investigating the Trump Organization, Alan Weisselberg and Donald Trump. And Pomerantz, in his book that he put out, he basically said that, you know, everything Donald Trump did in terms of his business was built on lies. He committed a number of crimes that he could be indicted for. Then Cyrus Vance uh, retires. Alvin Bragg comes in and Alvin Bragg says, you know, 
we're going to lay off of Donald Trump. Mark Pomerantz, who's a powerful prosecutor in his own right, said, fuck that, I resigned. And then he comes out with this book. And and since prior to this book coming out, a couple of things happened. Um, the Manhattan District, uh, was it seven or 17 counts of fraud uh, with, with the Trump Organization and Alan Weisselberg? He got him convicted, okay? And then he heard about Mark Pomerantz coming out of this with this book. And now all of a sudden he's interested in Donald Trump. Is he feeling a little cocky or a little pressure from the book to actually have to do something? Because he is starting to do something, not only with the fraud, but with Stormy Daniels. I think it's, uh, I, I think uh, that knowing the book was coming out was enough, I think, um, that he has to kind of contradict that. I think it's a little late but uh, it wasn't just Pomerantz who resigned. There were two of them, two prosecutors who resigned because they wouldn't follow it up when it was obvious that Trump was guilty and should be indicted and be and would have been convicted by any court in the land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the fact that Pomerantz came out, wrote the book. He's now on the TV shows. Um, he's obviously a sharp guy. He knows Donald Trump is a criminal. And it's going to make it that much harder for the DOJ, Manhattan District, any of these people. See, that that that's one of the things, you know, when it came to politicians committing crimes, it was really easy to say, well, we couldn't find anything. We couldn't find enough evidence. But now all the evidence from the January 6th committee and now Mark Pomerantz with the Manhattan District, the court cases with the Trump organization, it's all out there for all of us to see. They can't hide shit anymore. Their 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 reputations are on the line now. So I like that extra pressure that these fucks have gotten. Well, I also like that we're seeing uh, seeing people taking a look at uh, Bill Barr and uh, his uh, his um, messing about with the Russian investigation and with the uh, the investigating the investigators and and working with uh, what's his face the. The guy who wound up indicting two people and both were thrown out because yeah. there was nothing there. Um, this uh, this whole thing because uh, he need, there's a lot for him to answer for. He obviously right at the end saw where this was all going and turned and turned uh, on Trump and basically said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm out of here." You know, yeah. and hope hopefully to save his own butt, and and he did temporarily. But now we find out just how involved he was with suppressing the uh, the Russian investigation and returning it and and so forth. And uh, because Donald Trump should have been impeached on that and he should be gone, uh, he wouldn't have had uh, it would have been better for him, certainly, if he had. <laughs> yeah, you know, it goes back to what I've said before. Uh, Donald Trump, for all the power you think he, he got from being president, I think in retrospect, when everything when the dust settles and he is implicated and indicted and possibly convicted of all these things, if he was to look back on his life, the biggest fuck up among many fuck ups Donald Trump did was even running for the presidency. Yep. He could he could have glided through his bullshit until his death without any problems. But by bringing himself to the forefront and into a playing field that he knew nothing about, meaning the U.S. government. He fucked himself big time. Yeah, I think he, um, 
I think being on TV every week and, and being idolized and seen as the great businessman and everything, that's what led him to run because he, he uh, I don't think he ever thought he could win. I don't think he ever thought he could even get the nomination. Uh, but suddenly here he was, and, and it was like a train that he couldn't control, and the next thing he knows, he's president. Um, and um, I don't think he knew what to do, but once he was in there and he got the, a taste of the power yeah. uh, and, and how he was able to you know, use it to uh, steal all kinds of money or generate all kinds of profits by having secret first service people stay in his hotels for exorbitant rates and all of this sort of thing and do side deals with China, God knows North Korea and whoever else that uh, he became, you know, enamored of the position. And uh, one could probably say that he kind of lost his mind a little bit or a lot because I don't think a rational man does what he does. And along those lines, here's a couple of news things that just popped up as we were speaking. We've got a crazy guy in Donald Trump, and guess what? Facebook has just reinstituted his account. He's on Facebook now, and he's on Instagram. So with him being on Facebook, that means at some point in the near future, we will be able to see pictures of his Big Mac and Fries meal, which is kind of yeah. nice. So we'll get we'll get to see that shit. Um, uh, but he's back on Facebook, and, and a lot of people may begrudge that, uh, begrudge him being on Facebook, but I, I think it's great because it's the more he's out there, the more he's talking, the more the more he's uh, going to implicate himself. He's in a spiral now. He's going to crash. Being on Facebook, saying the things he's going to say is just going to hurry along this fucking ultimate crash. Yeah, I know. I, I, I hope that's the case. Um, I mean, he's going to be talking to the, the, the people that I know like around here, for example, they can't manage Twitter. They don't know what Instagram or TikTok is, but by golly, they know Facebook and they're there on there all the time. So they'll be following his garbage. Um, I I do wish that, uh, that the platforms had left him off and, you know, he's got his truth social that he could, you know, spew on and, and all of that stuff winds up on both Twitter and Facebook anyway. So I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, people, you know, copied and pasted or whatever they did. It all wound up on Facebook and Twitter anyway. So I guess it really doesn't make that much difference. Well, and here's another, another bit of information. We were talking about the lone crazies and all this stuff, and we don't know who did this as yet. But apparently Minnesota Congresswoman Angie Craig was assaulted in an elevator in her apartment building, uh, maybe just, just today. Um, says, Rep- Representative Craig defended herself from the attacker and suffered bruising, but is otherwise physically okay. Nick Coe said in a statement, adding that the assailant fled the scene and there is no evidence that the incident was politically motivated. What what yeah. else could it be? They didn't oh, like her I mean- dress? Well, or, or maybe they were uh, trying to rob her or, you know, it could have been a sex crime. You don't honestly. I'll guarantee you if they catch this guy, there is some Trump humping connection to it. I mean, it's. Oh, I, it, I wouldn't be surprised. It's similar you know, to the Nancy Pelosi thing. You know, everybody said, oh, it was Paul's gay lover. 
which I never understood yeah. because even if it was his gay lover, lover, how does that justify getting hit in the head with a hammer when you're 82 years old? It wasn't the case. They lied about it. But it'll be interesting to see if they catch this fucking clown if he does have a, a Trump-humping connection because, you know, as I said, you're never going to see the big crowds going after the Capitol, but you are going to see dumb fucks like this trying to make an inroad on individual reps or senators or whatever. And that should be something be concerning to Congress. When their own safety is at risk, they need to fucking do something. Well, props to Angie Craig for defending herself, uh, for sure. And um, there, are, there are usually cameras in the elevators now, almost everywhere. And because it's an apartment building, I would think Angie has a fairly decent apartment and a fairly good building. So that person either had to be there uh, for some reason, or, and maybe they're connected to someone in the building, or they were making a delivery or whatever. There's, they should be able to find them without that much trouble. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that is the case. Well, we're 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 just about going into a weekend here, and every week I think to myself, okay, something's going to happen with an indictment. Uh, we're getting to the point where, you know, we've gone through the midterms, we've gone through the holidays, all the excuses for well, we can't do anything now because of this. We're getting to the point now where something happen has to happen in the next ten nine to ten months because as soon as we get into the election year we're going to be um people complaining about that and they may that may use that as an excuse see what you think about this i think if there are no indictments within a reasonable amount of time to donald trump the people around donald trump the members of congress that were were part of the insurrection and all this other shit if there is, if Merrick Garland and, and Jack Smith don't come up with some indictments, this is going to hurt the Democrats immensely. The Democrats who support them now will be so pissed off and frustrated that nobody was held accountable. They're going to hold it against Joe Biden and the Democrats. That may be the case. Remember, though, it's less than two years now until the election. And um, if nothing has happened, I think we'll see a new DA. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so too. I mean, Attorney uh, General, AG, not DA, but you, right. know, you know what I mean. Yeah, same uh, thing. I'm surprised that he hasn't replaced him already, quite frankly. But we don't know. I mean, I know there's a hands-off thing between Joe and Merrick Garland. I don't know that they speak, but there are people around Joe who speak to Merrick Garland. You know there are. Right, and Merrick so Garland's direct supervisor is Biden. I right. Mean, who's who's going to fire you? Your direct supervisor. Right. So, uh, <laughs> as I know I, firsthand, <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, Joe must know what's going on. Yeah. And uh, and the fact that he isn't replacing Merrick uh, says something. Well, yeah, that does say something that has to, you know, he has to understand that if, if there aren't some indictments, there aren't some accountability, it's going to hurt him, hurt the Democrats coming up in 2024. The fact that he doesn't hasn't done something to replace Merrick Garland um, or Jack Smith or whoever the fuck um, should probably tell us that they know something's coming. Otherwise, if they if they thought nothing was coming and this guy was just sitting with a thumb in his ass they would probably do something to fix that situation. Also, I noticed that uh, HR 8500 is now um, out there. And uh, 
that is a bill that would limit Supreme Court justices to 18 years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing that really needs to be addressed in this country. And I don't know that there's anything they can do. We've got um, three or four uh, justices in the Supreme Court that should not be in there. We've got one that's sleeping with the enemy, an insurrectionist, that being Clarence Thomas. And we've got Brett Kavanaugh, who is going to be exposed for more evidence that was ignored when he, he is in his confirmation hearing. There's a lot of it. Did you know, and I don't know which four, but I can guess which four. Did you know at at the uh, State of the Union address, it's typical that the Supreme Court justices show up right. as well as all of Congress. Did you know that four did not show up? Four did not uh, show up to the, uh, the, the, the State of the Union which would just enhance what we've been talking about them being partisan when they continually tell us they're not partisan. Yeah, I thought I saw Kavanaugh, but uh, I don't know. Which, which ones were they? I don't know. I don't know. I just heard that just a minute ago, so I don't know who it was. I would have to assume they were Republicans. I don't know that for sure. But because I hate Republicans, I'm just going to say they were fucking Republicans. Well, they were sitting together, and I think they usually do that. I do. I did see, I thought, Kavanaugh, and I thought I saw Roberts. I, I did not see um, Clarence Thomas, but that doesn't mean he wasn't there. No, and even if he was there with Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas um, in the crowd, it's likely that they were both sitting alone or together because they're, they're both known to be a little handsy. (laughs) (laughs) Unless Lindsey Graham said, Hey, Clarence, what's up? (laughs) Yeah, There you go. Boom. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, But I do think 18 years would be a good one. I think that's fair. I probably won't go anywhere, but at least legislation has been introduced uh, to that end. We should have some, uh, bipartisan people in there and, and 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 by limiting their stay, it will make it less of a lottery for a president than maybe real justice and, and real rule of law, which is what it should be. And if it's not, it diminishes the whole Supreme Court system altogether. It's not a Supreme Court anymore based on what they've done. No, it isn't. And uh, what I really hope, and I've said this before, is we need Another Biden administration yeah. with uh, with a uh, with a good. We need at least a five vote margin in the, the Senate, and we need at least a few in the House. Right. I think we can do that with another election. I think we can do a blue wave based on what's going on right now, and and an energized Joe Biden that that can do that. And if we get that, you ain't seen nothing yet, folks. You'll see the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll, it'll either be expanded to thirteen, where it should be, or um, or there will be some. So there will be term limits. There will be something. Right. And there are so many other things that need to be done that will be done if we can have the numbers. We can't let Mansion and Cinema derail the Senate, and we can't let the House have a, a McCarthy in charge because we know nothing's going to get done except these bullshit investigations which are going nowhere yeah. because and and really no bills are going to come out of the house that no. won't that the senate either won't take them up or, or biden will veto them even right. if they did pass so it's a waste of time it's a, it's a total waste two years that will be wasted 
Exactly. And hopefully that will work against the Republicans come 2024. And I, I'm pretty much sure that it will. Well, we're out of time, Ed. I want to thank you for uh, joining me today and offering your insights and perspectives. So thank you very much for coming by. You betcha. Anytime. Those of you listening, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit and listen. I hope you have a great day and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.